and welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by the Breastfeeding Shop. The Breastfeeding Shop helps new and expecting parents around the world in their breastfeeding journey by supplying breast pumps, breast pump accessories, and more through insurance. And today's episode is also brought to you by Silverette. Silverette nursing, Silverette silver nursing cups are your one-stop solution to soothe and protect your nursing nipples. And we will hear more from our sponsors later, but you can head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and you know the drill. These podcast these sponsors make this podcast pop- possible and you <laughs> can check at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com on our sponsor page if you need anything, see if you can give them any of your business. While you're there, scroll down and enter your email address and we will send episodes straight to your inbox every day and check out our shop page. Get yourself some goodies for the holidays. And we are all still hosting our uh, giveaway for reviews. So send us your screenshots of your reviews wherever you are leaving them, um, somewhere publicly. (laughs) And uh, everyone who sends us a screenshot will be sent Badass Breastfeeding Podcast stickers. Thank you for nursing in public empowerment cards. You can send that to badassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail.com. And now Diane has our review of the week. And it comes from Audible, which I think is very fun. Cool. Um, Yeah, I know. So cool. And it says the best breastfeeding podcast. And I did a little quick Google search and it turns out we are. So you're not wrong. are we? That's not a lie. We're the best breastfeeding podcast. Like who decided that? Um, Feed Spot, the 15 best breastfeeding podcast you must follow in 2022. We're number one on that. Um, There's another one. There's another one of those things that also says that you're number one. There's a couple ranking things. Yeah. I don't know who like is in charge of that, but whatever. We'll (laughs) take it. Whoever it is. We'll take it. Thank you. Yeah. So it says, Abby and Diane have been such a huge help, support system, and educational. I'm currently breastfeeding my second child and have never felt more confident or supported. They have episodes on everything. I used to pick and choose, but now I just let them play through. Even their rants make me feel validated. I share this podcast with everyone I know who is pregnant and wanting to breastfeed. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you're our first review on Audible. Awesome. So that's amazing. Thank you. I'm really excited about that. I was like, oh my God, how cool. <laughs> um, so if anybody has Audible and you want to throw one up on there, send us a screenshot. We'll send you stuff. Um, yeah, and, send it out or yeah, yeah, put it up anywhere. Put it up anywhere. It doesn't really have help. to be iTunes. Wherever you can put it up, well, wherever you listen. ITunes, put it on iTunes because that's where most of our downloads come from. So if we can rank yeah. really high on iTunes, that would be cool. So it's awesome. So Down thank you so much. Down with the bad info. Up yeah. with the good info. Yes. And that's what we're going to do today is fill your brains with good info uh, oh, about yeah. bed sharing. Because yeah. this is, yeah, another topic that's just doused in horrible info. Yeah. I found this. Now, If um, just so that everybody knows where this is coming from, I was on the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine not too long ago and happened across this um, presentation that is called Breastfeeding, Bed Sharing and SIDS by Helen Ball, who is, um, I know we've talked about her before because she's big in like bed sharing research. Um, 
the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine is mostly filled with doctors who are involved in lactation medicine. Um, but it is open to, you know, other people to get on there. I'm not a member, but we can, cause they just recently allowed non-doctors to be members. And I, mm. right now I'm not a member. I probably will be a member in 2023, but, um, there's some really good resources on here. And like I said, I'm not a member and I'm able to access this presentation. Um, and I so was like, gosh, this is great because it's, you know, Helen Ball talking about like resources she's done um, about bed sharing. And this is coming from doctors who do research in lactation. That's where this information is being shared. So one of the big things in this, and we're going to talk about it more because we're going to go through some of this um, presentation. But one of the things that it keeps talking about in here is how how important it is to change the verbiage about what providers are talking to patients about. Because what we're doing right now is, especially in the, in the United States, and I know it's different everywhere you go, but in the United States, it is very, very um, dominant with do not share a sleep space with your baby. Yeah. That is really what the message is. When the message should be, according to these medical professionals in the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine, the message should be, let's talk about how to safely share a sleep space with your baby. Right. And continuing that sentence is because everyone is going to, everyone is wired to, everybody wants to, and we are not going to stop. So stop telling people not to do it because they just go in doing it. And don't know how to do it safely when there are ways to do it safely because this is how humans have always slept. So I guess what is now starting to happen is that places are starting to pick up on that. And it looks like the UK, good going UK, because they are starting to really put it out there of of saying, let's educate. Let's stop making the rules for families, which is demeaning. Let's educate families. Um, and that's what the UK is doing now. And that's, um, I did actually hear that from a listener too, not that long ago. And I was like, that's awesome. Um, but now this is also saying it here too, that because some of the research that she's doing is between the UK and the United States. And she is saying that, you know, they are, that's, that's what they're doing now. Um, the, even like the little, cause it's got, um, informational like posters and stuff like that, that they, hand out in the UK, their, their informational um, pamphlets and yeah. things are all about like how to safely sleep with a baby, um, which is very different than it is here because here they're just like, you know, skull and crossbones and, well, you know, yeah. so let's, all yeah, that stuff. We can talk about the US for a moment. Yeah. The, the majority of babies that are dying of, you know, bed sharing situations are black babies. These families that are targeted by formula companies that are blocked from information that are, you know, that we just do not provide resources to. And mm-hmm. so instead of spending the money and spending the resources to get information to this community, we're just like, nah, just say no. Right. Just don't give the information. Just don't, don't bother. Just say don't do it because that's easier. And that's it's not, not easier for the family. 
It's because not they're going to do it well, and no, then they're not going to know how right. to do it safely. Exactly. That's really the bottom line. And I, I, yeah, and we're going to totally get into all this stuff. It's, it's really interesting. Um, and I know we've done a lot of episodes on bed sharing, but one of the biggest things in, in this, um, in this presentation and this presentation was not from very long ago. It was like 2019. So the research in here is, is obviously very recent. Um, but she's talking in the beginning does talk about why, why human babies need to be fed so frequently and why human babies want to be close to you all the time. And it really just comes from like, there's different kinds of mammals, like we're all mammals, right? But there's different kinds of mammals. So mammals with altricial, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, Infants use a cash strategy, multiple infants in a litter. They develop a nest because it's safe and warm. The mother leaves the infants to go find food. Um, and the f- they feed those babies only a couple times a day because the milk is very high in fat. Mammals what? with is that like rabbits. I think of like, yeah, rabbits. like rabbits. Like rabbits. Um, yeah. yeah. Like the mom leaves yeah, and then comes back like a couple times and. We found yep. like at where I used to work, we found this little, this is totally off topic or maybe it's not. <laughs> There's a little, a hole, like we found this little hole in the ground and there were all these tiny baby rabbits. Yeah. Tiny, tiny baby rabbits. And this was the group home where I worked at. So they started scooping them out and oh. I was like, oh my God, put them back, put them back. And you could see the mom like come running from a distance, oh. obviously, and looking at us. And I was like, oh my God, she's so scared. Leave them alone. I know. Oh my God. Anyway. Um, but yeah, that's it. They, you know, they put them in a nest, they hide them away. Their milk is very high in fat. So babies only need, their babies only need to eat a couple times a day. And that's it, right? Mammals with precocial infants use a carry follow strategy. You know, usually one infant at a time. We know obviously that you can have, you know, that um, human babies are twin, twins and triplets and whatever. But typically one infant at a time. They're able to walk and cling shortly after birth. Here we have like your elephant, how Abby always talks about the horse that just drops out and runs <laughs> away. Yeah. They remain with the mother safe and warm while she forages and they feed frequently and on demand because the milk is lower fat, higher sugar content milk um, in the beginning, especially. So where do we fit in? Like where, where are we fitting in in this, you know, as newborns? I feel we like we fit have, more in the ladder. Are we not the ladder? Exactly. Different? Oh, yeah. Okay. Nope. We're the ladder. We are. Um, we are the ladder. We have the precocial mammals, lower fat, higher sugar, infants that need to feed frequently. Um, they also produce, you know, typically single infants. We know that that's not always the case, but typically born with well-developed internal and sensory organs where we can see and hear and call out for help. Um, poorly developed, although we do have poorly developed neuromuscular control, we are unable to follow or even cling. We can't, our babies aren't walking after us like that horse is doing, you know, like it's just not, that's no, just not we're how it born, works We're born like much earlier than. Right. That brain growth cannot be be completed. Yep. It says typical brain growth cannot be completed prior to birth. And humans have 25% adult brain at birth compared with 50% for other primates. They are therefore unusually neurologically underdeveloped. 
that's not saying something's wrong with your baby because there is not. No, we that need just means time we're for our baby about, brain to grow. This is the this is where the conversation about evolution comes in, right? Where we used mm-hmm. to be hunched over. We used to have a larger birth canal. And so we held we carried our babies longer. And as we became more upright, the birth canal got smaller and we started to deliver our babies earlier because they yeah. could fit. And so now they are more immature than other mammals. That's just how it is. Yep. And she, what it says here is humans produce unusually helpless primate babies. Yep. So that is, I mean, that's the bottom line. They're helpless and they need us to help them because they are helpless. So every primate, this is in quotes, it comes from um, a study done by Small in 1998. Every primate baby is designed to be physically attached to someone who will feed, protect, and care for it. They have been adapted over millions of years to expect nothing else. And it says here, weird. Societies are historically and cross-culturally unusual in separating parents and infants at night, and it affects how we understand infant sleep. And that's kind of the bottom line. We don't understand infant sleep. And this is where it comes from, right? People go, I don't understand why my baby's not sleeping. I don't understand why if I put them down, they cry. What is happening? Why does my baby hate the bassinet? Why does my baby hate me? Why will they nap fine during the day, but nighttime comes and they don't want anything to do with sleeping unless I'm holding them? We don't understand them. That was me. I did not understand why I could not put Jack down without him crying. I thought something was wrong with him. Yeah. And that's pretty much what everybody feels like, right? Because we don't understand it. We just don't get it. So historically, let's look into the history now. Prior to the early 20th century, infant social sleep was a normal practice. So basically saying like you slept with your baby and that was normal. Infant social sleep, normal. The bosom of the mother is the natural pillow of her offspring by Dr. Conquest in 1848. That changed a lot as we were going along. Um, 1839, advice to mothers was bed sharing. I mean, that's just kind of how it, what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of went on like that. You know, the early 1900s, they were doing that. Offering more, encouraging more bed sharing. And then we got to the point where there was more formula feeding there was more medicated deliveries there was more hospital births you know because that was also a time early 1900s late 1800s where it was all home births too Mm -hmm. so then once we went to the hospitals they're separating babies and mothers at that point um and taking them to nurseries and you know formula feeding and you know all this other stuff that was that was happening so people weren't they stopped sleeping with their babies Um, This, I think, is really interesting, this quote that is here from her. Um, Well, it came from, you know, came from a study that was done. They're saying that, like, there was these studies that were done with, like, little, um, with, like, little infant monkeys. And they Mm. had Mm -hmm. them attached to, like, a little stuffed animal or something like that, you Mm -hmm. know, like, yeah. And it said, you know, it was done by, like, a scientist or whatever named Harlow. Social development of infant monkeys demonstrated how physical contact, warmth, and comfort was of vital importance for infant development. Western fashions in infant care have changed much more rapidly than human infant evolutionary biology. 
Now, I had to read that a couple times. So I'll read it again. Mm -hmm. Western fashions and infant care have changed much more rapidly than human infant evolutionary biology. Uh So culture is quicker than babies. Right. Biology. Exactly. So all of these cool things that are out now that give us every excuse in the world to separate us from our baby. That is changed faster because this, our babies are not changing. Well, yeah, <laughs> the babies are Obviously. just still biological little beings, but we have, exactly. and then we have, I mean, we have, I don't think I've been able to say this in a while, but we had capitalism, right? <laughs> so we had people going yeah. to work. We had ways of making money, including the medicalizing of birth and products mm-hmm. and formula and all of these things. And this is just completely, <sighs> completely uh, creating a distance. And now... She also gets into um, the fourth trimester. And we did an episode not too long ago about the fourth trimester and says here, um, or what she's talking about here is human neonates complete their gestation outside of the womb, right? That's what the fourth trimester is, is babies completing the process of gestation. Because as we said earlier, just a few minutes ago, Abby was talking about how babies don't stay in long enough anymore because of how humans have evolved over time. And during this period, they need close contact for warmth and security and for biological regulation. So that connection with you, that constantly being with you, that skin to skin time, all of that stuff helps babies to regulate their body temperatures and regulate their blood sugars and regulate their crying and their um, just to be able to have a know how to control their own responses. You know what I mean? Like their whole, you know, their whole body and everything is really dependent on us to help them get through that fourth trimester because it's an extended part of their gestation. Newborn babies have difficulty stabilizing their temperature and breathing independently. Babies do not develop their own circadian rhythms and cannot sustain long periods of uninterrupted sleep for several months. Sleeping in close proximity to a carrier to a carer is what sleeping like a baby really means. <laughs> um, and with that, we're going to take our little break because I want to get into some of this other stuff. Yes, we will be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by the Breastfeeding Shop. The Breastfeeding Shop helps new and expecting parents around the world with their breastfeeding journey by supplying breast pumps, breast pump accessories, and more through insurance. The Breastfeeding Shop works with most, most health insurances like TRICARE, Aetna, Cigna, United, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and more. As a female-owned company, the Breastfeeding Shop helps provide resources to moms so they have a successful outcome. Whether it be for a mom who chooses to exclu- exclusively breast pump, breastfeed, or both, use a breast pump and breastfeed. It's not just about shipping a pump to the new mom. It's understanding and relating to her needs individually and making her day a little easier. Check out all the Breastfeeding Shop's breast pumps at thebreastfeedingshop.com and make sure to apply for one through your insurance. And today's episode is also brought to you by Silverette. Have you ever struggled with sore or cracked nipples while nursing your baby? 
Silverette Silver Nursing Cups are your one-stop solution to soothe and protect your nursing nipples. Since silver is a naturally antimicrobial and antifungal metal, it can help ward off bacteria and infections before they appear. Silver, a naturally antimicrobial, antifungal, and antibacterial metal, contains potent anti-inflammatory properties that can be used to heal and prevent cuts, cracks, soreness, wounds, and infections. Silverette are the original and authentic silver nursing cups, both clinically tested and registered with the FDA. Because your nipples deserve the best. Join us on Happy Mission Happy Nipples. Use code BADASS for 15% off of your order of these nursing cups at silverettusa.com. That's code BADASS for 15% off your order at silverette, S-I-L-V-E-R-E-T-T-E-U-S-A. Dot com And all of our sponsors and the promo codes can be found in our show notes under this episode at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com or wherever you are listening from. At badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, you'll find all of our other episodes and information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane. Yes, I do want to say something super quick about... Um the breastfeeding shop, um, if you are somebody who you're listening and you're like, oh, I already have a pump, you know, I'm good to go. But check and see if they can help you with maybe um, replacing parts to your pump. Because if you're somebody that pumps pretty frequently, those pump parts should be replaced pretty frequently. So and it's nice if you can get your insurance to do that. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to talk about now... I kind of like this this piece because I think it's very, very interesting. And they did this a lot of this presentation, and i'm I'm going to link this in the show notes because, like I said, anybody can access it. But um one of the things that she was doing here, she did a lot of research about bed sharing and who is bed sharing and how they felt about it and what made them bed share and, you know, like stuff like that. So this here says, um, poor sleep promotes breastfeeding cessation. And, that makes sense, right? Like that makes a lot of sense that poor sleep is going to cause people to breastfeed less. Um, and these is, this is all quotes from things that came out of her research. Quote, baby was too demanding and feeding too often. Breastfeeding didn't allow a good night's sleep. And I have a toddler as well. How many times have we heard that? Yeah. Quote, Breast baby was too demanding, waking too frequently. Baby now sleeps a solid 12 hours at night on formula. Oh. Quotes, baby was unsettled on the breast and not sleeping. Now on formula, the baby's not feeding at night. Quotes, breastfeeding was too tiring and I wanted dad to help at night. All this screams to me is we are just so uneducated about infant behavior. Really, that's yeah, kind of the bottom right. line. We're all really uneducated about infant behavior. And maybe these parents had did not have the intention to wean their baby, um, but felt like they just did not have any other options because their baby was just not sleeping. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they probably they had to get up felt and go like work in the morning. They didn't have anybody to help them because we're also separated from each other now. We have no community. Yep. They're taking care of other kids, um, yeah. you know, and it just they're just like, I just can't do this anymore. It's too much. And nobody's offering them any ideas to try to help yeah, or to educate. Well, if you're not breastfeeding overnight, that can damage your milk supply. Um, or if we safely talk about bed sharing, this might help 
you to get more sleep. Nobody's doing that with these families. So how do parents cope at night? One parent said, I was getting no sleep whatsoever. So after six weeks, I asked my mom what she'd done with us. She says, like, do the tough love thing. So I tried it and I just stuck it out. And after two weeks, she just slept all night. And that is letting her cry it out. Yeah. Basically is what that is at six weeks. Um, the other quote, if he's having a night where he wants to nurse a lot, I'll just put him in bed with me and I'll just sleep and he latches on and when he wants it and it doesn't really un- interrupt my sleep a great deal. And that's, you know, beautiful. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. So are parents unwilling or unable to cope? Parents follow one of several options, supplementing the baby's diet, which undermines breastfeeding, sleep training, which undermines breastfeeding, or bed sharing, which supports continued breastfeeding. And those are like the three choices people yeah. give. If you go and I, I mean, I worked in a pediatric office. I saw this all the time. If parents said my baby is not sleeping, they would say, well, then sleep train them. Oh, yeah. That's sleep train them. I, I got sleep training advice without even asking. Oh, I mean, yeah. I feel like they People just love to give that advice. It's just like, I mean, from the doctor. Yeah. And the, you know, they absolutely. were just like, oh, this is what you do now. And I'm like, well, I didn't ask, but also the thing to do. Like, I said like, well, he, cause I remember I've told this story, but she said, um, okay, so now, you know, you can start to like, you know, have him sleep in his crib and like, you know, so what you're going to do is like the first night you're going to let him cry for like a minute. And then the second night, like two minutes. And I was like, he sleeps in a bassinet next to my bed. And she was like, oh, she had no idea what to say. <laughs> She had no idea oh what God. she just moved on because she didn't know what to do with that information. Yeah. Yeah. They really, they really don't. I remember one of the doctors that I had worked with once said to me, Oh, my, we did the Ferber method with my kids and they're all still really great sleepers. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I, then she would complain about how when her kids got a little bit older, they would tell her, scream at them and scream at her about how much they hated her. <laughs> <laughs> she was, and she just acted like it was normal, like, <laughs> kid stuff and i'm like oh i don't know okay ferber whatever <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm so bad i'm going to hell but if you cry it experience. out if you if you practice cry it out don't worry your kids don't hate you yeah no they don't <laughs> hate you it's just funny but there was a lot more going on with this parent, yeah there's more you. going on in that situation yeah um so Nighttime contact is important for breastfeeding. Um, the strong relationship between breastfeeding and infant feeding and infant sleep location. So that too, if you have your baby in another room, and I know that somehow, like sometimes this is how houses are set up. Sometimes it's just, you know, whatever. Sometimes you have the other parent that's saying, I can't sleep with the baby in the room. We got to put the baby in their own room. Um, but you are less likely to get up and wander across the house. To get your baby to breastfeed them. Yeah. It's totally. just not. Yeah. It, it I just is leave, not. Even if you yeah. don't want a bed share, I do not recommend putting a baby in another room. Like, no, absolutely you need not. To, they're babies. Like you need to yeah. like be around them and like listen for them and just be with them. Like if you don't want a bed share, then, you know, you can put the, you can even put a crib in, in your room, you know, and just keep them nearby. I don't put a baby mm-hmm. just by themselves. I remember there was some article that was going around, like how like people in um, Denmark, like leave their babies in the cold in strollers outside of the shopping mall when they go shopping. 
It was like, oh, yeah. they, like there was like they had just like a little car park in front of the in front of the stores where people would just put their babies in the strollers. And it's really cold and they're all wrapped up, whatever. People were like, oh, my God, this is so horrible. And so whatever. And people I remember reading the comments and people were like, um, yeah, well, we think it's weird that you put babies in another room. Like, like people think yeah. we're weird for this. Like we think I it's remember. so normal to have the nursery and the baby just in their room all by themselves, like as if they know that you like bought all this expensive shit for them. But yeah. it's weird. I remember when um when we interviewed Tracy Castles. Um yeah. and if anybody listening hasn't heard that yet. And I don't remember which what, because I know we've done that two episodes with Tracy Castles. Yeah. And she's fabulous. I know, we gotta get her like back. if you have not heard her yet talk about this stuff she's amazing and i don't like i said i don't remember which episode it was but i remember her saying if you went camping would you put your baby in a separate tent like if you go if you go on vacation do you give your baby a separate hotel room like no you keep them with you like i didn't put my kids in their own hotel room until they were like 18 you know like it just you don't separate them from you no, it just doesn't have like, but then when we're in our house, we're like, oh my God, put them in the other side of the freaking. I didn't get my there. own hotel room when I was 18. Like if we were visiting Cincinnati and I was coming from Holland as like a 24 year old. I didn't get my own hotel room. Well, if it was only you, where was it you and your sister and you stayed? Well, me and my sister and my mom and dad. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we got three. So it would be like way too many. So I put all true. three of them in the same hotel room and then we'd <laughs> yeah. have our own at like 17, 18 yeah, years old or whatever. There's too many people. Yeah. Yeah. Then they're, and they're too big. Yeah. So it was, and then there was hilarious in other ways too. <laughs> they're so funny. Oh my God. Um, bed sharing promotes prohibiting or bed sharing promotes breastfeeding, prohibiting bed sharing undermines breastfeeding. And I love that statement because there is it is so true. And if you look at a lot of the people that talk about breastfeeding and how much they, you know, promote breastfeeding and breastfeeding is the best thing in the world. And then they say to you, oh, no, 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 you cannot bed share. Are you really promoting breastfeeding then? Because one of the biggest wedges to breastfeeding is people telling you to separate yourself from your baby. So that is really, really need to think about like why, why that's happening. Um, Couple of things that I also want to get into. Oh my God, I have so much stuff I want to talk about. So this is this is some UK stuff. So um, this was like a guidance update from the UK back in 2014. And I'm going to read it. When considering SIDS and co-sleeping, it would be inappropriate to use the term risk as the causes of SIDS are likely to be multifactorial and a possible casualty link with co-sleeping is not clearly established. The term association is used throughout this guideline update. This denotes where there is a statistical relationship between SIDS and co-sleeping while acknowledging that it cannot be definitively stated that co-sleeping is a risk for SIDS. So, I mean, mean, they're saying it right here. Like, I mean, there's evidence that it is a protective factor against SIDS. Right. Because you are there monitoring your baby, your body. Like we talk about all these things when the baby is... It, you know, doing skin to skin, it's regulating their body temperature, it's regulating their heart rate, it's all this. So if you're, so if they're not, then, then that stuff isn't being regulated. Right. And, that and that's is a protection. actually, it, 
Yeah, that stuff is in here too. Ooh, Abby's getting ahead of us because she knows her Sorry. shit. Sorry. So no, <laughs> you're totally fine. This is like the one thing I'm really knowledgeable about. (laughs) So talking about where babies sleep, bed sharing and co-sleeping is common practice, but often underreported where it's prohibited. And that's what we were saying in the beginning of this episode. It is people will not fess up that this is what they're doing because they are afraid of getting a slap on the wrist from a slap everybody they know. Or or for like CPS called from their pediatrician. It's ridiculous. Like Yep. So parents discover bed sharing, co-sleeping helps to settle infants, helps parents cope with newborn sleep patterns and need for contact. Breastfeeding mothers discover bed sharing reduces the costs of night feeding and helps maintenance of milk supply. Consequently, 50% or more of families sleep with their young babies deliberately, accidentally, frequently, and occasionally. At some point, you're going to end up sleeping with your baby. Like that is... Pretty much what they're saying here. The majority of people will somewhere along the line sleep with their sleep with their baby, whether they intend to or they're like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I'm just going to put the baby in bed with me. But this is why we say have it set up already. Know the rules, know the safety of it, because even if you don't intend to, the likelihood of you doing it at some point is pretty high. Yeah. And if you don't have it, if you already are set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you don't have it set up safely, and this is what happens, people are like, well, I'm scared to share a bed, so I'm just going to lay in the recliner with my baby, or I'll just lay right. down on the couch with my baby. And then they slide into the holes and dangerous things happen. It's, that's it's, unsafe. It's totally unsafe. Simple never bed share messages prevent discussion, encourage parents to hide their behavior, and mean that practitioners do not receive appropriate training or gain experience using their professional judgment in educating families about this issue. So they're just saying, don't do it. Don't do it. It's not safe. Don't do it. Um, There are so many resources to help you do it safely. So many. And it's not just, you know, bullshit resources. This is things that have been done by researchers and, you know, doctors and have that have studied sleeping babies and sleeping parents. And they will tell you what the safety is. Bottom line. So this is kind of cool. This comes from UNICEF. One in 3,180, the risk of SIDS for all babies in England. Okay, like I said, a lot of this was from the UK. Mm-hmm. One in 174, the risk of SIDS while co-sleeping on a sofa, which that's not really SIDS. Oh, right. If you're co-sleeping on, you know, if that baby dies, it's more of an unsafe, unsafe sleep environment. That's not SIDS. Mm-hmm. One in 174, the risk of SIDS while co-sleeping after consuming alcohol or drugs. Yeah. One in 787, the risk of SIDS while co-sleeping with a regular smoker. So there is, that's a big difference. Like, and that's why we say like, there's, there's safety involved here. We know what the safety is and we know what, what the, what the non-safety is, you know, smoking, um, sleeping on a on an unsafe environment, like Abby was just saying, you got a couch or a love seat or a chair or whatever recliner, not safe. Um, alcohol, drugs, not safe. Like those things are not safe. Um, if you are just, you know, trying to get some sleep and you're in a safe environment, 
then you're okay, you know? So the messages, the messaging from the UK regarding SIDS, parents with babies at high risk for SIDS due to prenatal smoke exposure, premature birth, et cetera, need explanation of their baby's safe sleep needs. That is a conversation to have. But our in our environment here in the US, parents don't feel safe saying to a provider, um, you know, my baby was premature. Is it safe to, to co-sleep? Mm-hmm. Is it safe? Not even co-sleep. Is it safe to bed share? Because we know bed sharing is sharing a bed. Co-sleeping is having the baby sleep in your room. So if you said that to a provider, 99.9% of the time, they're going to say to you, oh, no, you can't bed share. No, no, no. That's unsafe. You'll kill your baby. That's, I mean, that's not educating them. That's scaring the crap out of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember reading, I don't remember what it was from, but it was like, you know, if you are, you know, if you look at all these guidelines, if you're, you know, you're not drinking, you're not smoking, you're not on drugs, you're, you have a safe setup, then these warnings are not for you. You know, this, the stuff that, that you see, all the warning is against it and all that, that, that is not mm-hmm. for you. But we don't take the time to tell people that. Like, right. oh, there's all of this information out there. But if you don't, if you don't match these risk factors, then it's not for you. Like, just discuss the risk factors with people. Ask them. Are you on any prescription drugs? Are you a smoker? Okay, so this is just uh, hand them a pamphlet. Right. Something. They did it in the UK. Yeah. Everybody. They have pamphlets. No, it's not. It's really not hard. Um, So the bottom line with this, um, human infants are born with a particular set of needs that do not fit easily with adult life. And we have talked about that a million times, right? You get, you know, you're going back to work early um, after only a few weeks when babies aren't sleeping well. You don't have support of family members. Um, you don't have education behind how to safely co-sleep. You don't have support of your providers. Like there is just doesn't fit into our lifestyle, right? Babies just don't fit. Yeah. When, an when parents encounter frequent night feeding, they often attempt to find a fix. How do I fix this? My baby's waking up. How do I fix it? Let me buy. You know how many um, sleep sacks are on the market now? Oh yeah. Like everybody's looking for a magical sleep sack. If I get this sleep sack, my baby will work or sleep better. They have ones that are weighted so that your baby will feel like they're being snuggled. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. this is just to get our baby sleeping in a different place. Public perceptions formula helps babies to sleep. Some mothers now challenge this idea because that is out there. Everybody says, "Oh, give your baby formula and they'll sleep better." Huge advances have been made in understanding the relationship between breastfeeding and sleeping and consequences such as mother's ability to cope with nighttime care. Mothers use bed sharing as a coping strategy for night nursing and sleep disturbance associated with effective initiation and greater breastfeeding duration. Breastfeeding mothers and babies sleep together in a characteristic and instinctive way. Mm-hmm. Um, there is there's a lot. There's a lot to this. The other thing that if we had more time, I would go on and on and on about is that the um, the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine puts out protocols for different um, for different breastfeeding situations, breastfeeding um, information. There was just a recent one put out about mastitis. There's just all like things that we're supposed to be following as lactation. Bed sharing and breastfeeding on um, the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine protocol number six. Um, done in 2019 is on 
um, bed sharing, obviously bed sharing and breastfeeding. And they really go into some great detail about um, even the position to sleep in Mm -hmm. um, and how that is optimal sleep position. You know, the adaptation of the seat position, the cuddle curl Mm -hmm. with the infant's head across from the adult's breast, adult's legs and arms are curled around the infant, infant on their back, away from the pillow. This is the optimal safe sleeping position. Um, But this goes on and gives really great evidence around how, you know, the anthropology of infant sleep, the history, the context of human milk, why this is safe, why, you know, this is a great thing to share with a provider that is giving you really a lot of pushback. Um, This is really, really great. This is great information for you to have if you're, you know, if you're, you and your partner are on different pages because a lot of times you'll hear that too. Your partner saying, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable with the baby sleeping in the bed with us. This is really great information. So I'm going to be linking this in too because um, this is done by researchers, by medical professionals telling us that bed sharing is safe. It even goes into breast sleeping we should, in this protocol. We should do a whole episode just on that. We should really, we should, maybe we will do that. Um, I will link it though. So people have it, but it is, it is really great. Um, And I just, I want everybody to be, have the education around it. And I have definitely met people who are like, you know what, I'm just not comfortable with it. And that's fine. But if you're somebody who's like, I feel like this is what I need to do to get more sleep, but everybody's telling me no, because I'm going to hurt my baby. Then this is for you. This information is for you. And it's information for you to share with everybody else. Because it was done by, a lot of really well-known medical professionals who do research yeah. in this area. Yeah, the 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 thing that that is just so shocking I think about all of this is that the cultural the cultural attitude um around bed sharing does not match the science. It, it right. it's not it, there is no science to p- support the way that we feel about bed sharing the the way that we educate about bed sharing the way that we warn parents about bed sharing it's not there's no science there to support that it's not it's mismatched yep it's fascinating and it really does it tells here you know risks um you know what the risks are in which bed sharing would be a higher risk you know like they are telling they are giving you all the information here to make a very informed decision um and this that is what's really important so it's yeah. um and i thought too one of the things that i thought was really interesting and they, they go in here too in this um in the protocol about, you know, like human milk being different than some other mammals milk where it's like higher, you know, it's higher in sugar and the other milk is higher in fat. This is how our bodies make the milk for the babies. And when people come to me and I thought about how people would come and say, well, how do I get more fat in my milk? It's like, it's not supposed to be there. (laughs) This is how it's supposed to be. (laughs) Your body is making it the way it's supposed to be. We can't alter it to make it different for the baby because this is how your baby's body is supposed to be. It's supposed to be processing it. Yeah. Like we can't change the biological way things are being done. No, we and might want to. Right. But yeah. I'd love to change my DNA to be a super skinny person with a high <laughs> metabolism. I can't change that. Like it just is not happening. Same thing with your milk. Like you can't change it. So yeah. Yep. So that's kind of maybe we'll have to do another one about this because yeah. there is so much I to mean, talk bed about. Sharing is something that we revisit often. So yeah, for sure. It's worth it. 
Yeah. And it, like I said, this one talks about breast sleeping and everything. Oh, it's great. It. So, yeah. So that's it. Yeah. That's my thing today. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.